welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Alan Collins. I'm the partner who heads up the abuse team at Hugh James. I am joined by my colleague, Felina Grovner. Hi, Felina. Hi, Alan. And in this podcast, we are going to be discussing Sexual Abuse Awareness Week. But before we start discussing it, I need to give a health warning. Obviously, in this podcast, we are going to be talking about issues that can be upsetting and one can be easily distressed talking about sexual abuse and everything that goes with it. So if you think you may be upset by what you might possibly hear, now is the time to turn off, don't listen to the podcast, go and do something else. Otherwise, stay with us. So let's start talking about sexual abuse and sexual violence awareness week 2022 which runs from the 7th to the 13th of february now its objective is to raise awareness and provides an opportunity for us all to think about sexual abuse sexual violence and to be aware of it and all the issues that flow from these very difficult subjects and I need to say thank you to Felina because you have done some preparatory work for this podcast and you have found some interesting pieces of information. And one of those pieces of information concerns the NHS. So perhaps, Felina, you can tell us what the NHS is up to during this particular Awareness Week for 2022. Yes, thank you, Alan. So as everyone I'm sure can appreciate, the NHS are heavily involved when it comes to sexual abuse and sexual violence, not only for any physical harm that might have occurred, but also the mental health issues that tend to occur after someone has unfortunately suffered from sexual abuse and sexual violence. The NHS obviously run counselling services, sexual assault referral centres, as well as their day-to-day medical health. So the NHS have announced to really good and really key things that run alongside sexual abuse and sexual violence awareness week and the first is that they've created two new clinical lead roles that focus on only domestic violence and sexual assault and obviously these roles aren't the first of their kind and it it runs alongside existing support and the second is that there'll be a 20 million pound funding boost over the next three years. So both of those things are obviously very positive. The first, as I said, it goes alongside existing sexual assault referral centres, existing employees who do specialise in these areas. But as we know, these areas can be very niche. They can be very difficult to actually help people. And so they do need to be specialist. Yes, yeah, so that they provide an invaluable service. You know, I am always amazed by the work undertaken by SARCs. And at the end of March, we have the annual NSPCC Hugh James Abuse Conference. And 
sarks attend this and it's an opportunity to hear what they're doing and then you know the incredible work that they provide for victims and survivors of sexual abuse and in particular child sexual abuse i think it's quite concerning that as a result of lockdown and i think you've discovered this Belina, that the number of people receiving help through nhs sarks has dropped considerably which i presume is due to the impact of lockdown so sarks and survivors you know they need all the help that, that can be made available and it's not I'd just say that practical help it's it's funding as well i'd say that part of the issue you know with the lockdown and and just covid in general is obviously we're aware of the backlogs for the nhs but when it comes to sarks and people who have unfortunately experienced some kind of sexual abuse or sexual violence it's quite hard, a hard thing to talk about remotely you know and it, it's you like to see someone and you know sit and have a cup of tea or a cry you know that's what sark is partly there for they're there to give emotional support not just go through the medical swabs or the practical help that you might need you know information about the police or the criminal side of things it's that emotional side and I think it can be difficult to put yourself out there whereas if you come to someone and they you know can show you some empathy and give you a safe space to talk can be difficult to speak remotely you know the person who is committing the abuse against you might be there in the home so there's there's lots of different factors but yeah unfortunately figures are not great at the moment well, we'll come back to that in a moment, because as you were mentioning that, I was thinking of what is in the news at the moment concerning the late Jimmy Savile, all the, you know, the hoo-ha, to put it mildly, in respect of what the Prime Minister Boris Johnson said and the reaction to that and the ongoing discourse, to put it neutrally, on the subject relating to him and Sir Keir Starmer, which feeds into what else we need to discuss during this awareness week yes, which is the use right. of language mm. because you Felina are highlighting the fact that language and terminology is extremely important in this area and how the misapplication of language can not only just be troubling but it can act as a you know potential deterrent to a victim or survivor coming forward yeah, so this week, as we've said, is very good for raising awareness and it's an opportunity to have conversations that might not otherwise happen. And I think it's easy to highlight certain things over the year, but they don't really have an impact necessarily. Whereas this week is really good because you can hear from multiple different campaign groups, different police services, solicitors even, who all say the same things. So I think they hit a lot harder. So as you touched upon, Alan, misconceptions, misunderstandings in language is something that's, you know, it's not new for us, but the conversation gets louder, you know, during this week. So yes. something that, for example, a project called the Rowan Project, that's a charity that offers counselling to mainly rape victims. And they have posted a few things on social media, just highlighting examples of the language that we shouldn't use or necessarily accept. And Alan, you and I, just before we started recording, mentioned how this is quite commonplace in the media. So some examples include saying underaged woman instead of 
child yeah, yeah. Um, using the word child prostitute you know which is incredibly damaging to someone who's in that situation you know usually you'd prefer to be called a victim or a survivor prostitute is quite a negative term by any means yes. sex with a minor and non-consensual sex is often coined completely inappropriate yes non-consensual sex is potentially put it bluntly rape and whilst we're talking about that, I can think of a real life example, which is particularly irrelevant this week, given that the name Savile is being banded around left, right and centre. I had the experience having to investigate a particular Savile allegation, and this particular victim had been interviewed by the police and his complaint hadn't been taken forward because the police probably didn't understand what the victim was talking about, because the victim was using particular words, which the police took literally. These words were of graphic sexual acts. And I could understand why the police just could not make sense of what this particular victim was trying to explain. And until the penny dropped, and I realised that the language that was being used was not actually understood. So mm-hmm. this particular victim mm-hmm. thought he was being very helpful, but in fact did not understand what the words meant. So he was using words in his description of what he was saying had happened to him, but he didn't actually understand what they meant. And it was only by patience that we were able actually to work out what he, in fact he was complaining about. And so language is always very important. When we're dealing with cases such as this, where people have come forward and disclosed that they've been sexually abused as a child or indeed as an adult, we all must be conscious of the words that we use and the language that we use and the manner that we adopt. We need to think before we speak. We need to engage brain before we engage mouth because, you know, you just need to take a little bit of time and think, well, Let's say we were dealing with a child who had been prostituted. To label that child as a prostitute not only is probably actually wrong, but it's also very demeaning and could act as a deterrent. It could actually prevent this person from actually wanting to disclose because even if it's only subconsciously, we could be equating that person to a criminal. That's right, especially people who have been groomed and they don't understand really what elements of grooming are. So a lot of the time they feel a lot of self-blame. And so if you say particular things, you know, I don't know, term perhaps, oh, you were spoiled by your abuser or, you know, just terms such as that, you have to be really careful not to appear as if you're victim blaming. Quite. And in this week of all weeks, you know, when we've got the media and politicians talking about Savile, I would just say pause and think because there are victims out there and there are victims and survivors who have not yet come forward with their own stories because we know it is so difficult to come forward for all sorts of reasons. And if you're a victim or survivor listening to all of this, that must be extremely upsetting and maybe disempowering. 
Yeah, I think that incident that you're referring to doubled with the week this week. It just highlights the need for sensitivity, but also not being around the bush and just saying what you need to say in a sensitive way. I think is just as respectful as you can be. Right. Thank you very much, Felina. On that note, I think you're absolutely right. You've hit the nail on the head with that. <laughs> so thank you, Felina. And I would say, yeah, it's given me pause to thought, for pause for thought, I should say. Get my words out correctly, since we're talking about language and the use of language. <laughs> let's let you know, let's get it right. So yeah, thanks for listening. And as always, listeners, I hope you have found this podcast of interest. If you have ideas for future podcasts, then please do get in touch with us. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favourite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.